When you find that, stand for the reading of the Word of God. Colossians 4, we're going to read a bit tonight. We're not going to get that far. Uh, we'll just begin a study on um, the gospel teamwork. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 7 down to verse 18. Colossians 4, from verse 7 <clears throat> down to verse 18. Let's read together aloud. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and then in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, Grace be with you. Amen. Wow. Father, we bow before you, and these aren't just names. These are the names of people who just served alongside Paul, and just by their service, they were recorded in the eternal words of God. For all eternity, we will <laughs> read of these men. God, uh, forgive us when we think that serving is not noticed. I pray, God, we would see the high calling of gospel work and gospel teamwork and how important it is to you and to church. Lord, this world needs gospel, needs the gospel. It needs churches to preach the gospel. It needs Christians to carry on the work of the gospel. I pray that we would learn to do it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we're not at the end of this amazing book. It is a super powerful letter. I mean, I don't know if you've ever written a letter this long to someone sometimes. I remember when I got saved, I wrote a letter to my dad when, uh, when I heard a message about forgiveness and that I needed to forgive my dad for divorcing my mom and for all the hurt and everything. And it was a five-page, single-space, handwritten letter. It was, it was long and it was... It was my heart to him, and that was a little taste of what it was like for Paul to write to the church, to the Christians at Colossae. Now, this 
uh, was a church that Paul had never been to. He'd never seen any of these people up in Colossae, but he writes to them uh, while he's awaiting trial in prison, just before he's beheaded by Nero. Um, he has covered so many different topics, um, and, and so much of his heart and passion for God's people, wanting them to be well-grounded in, in the truth. Um, uh, the, the problem today is this problem that was back then, and that is there are some crazy nutcases going around and spreading all kinds of, of, of stupid ideas. And it, and it really, you think that, oh, it's just my opinion. And it may be your opinion. Just make sure you say that it's your opinion, all right? Uh, because there are, there are so many takes on Scripture that it just goes absolutely out, um, out the wazoo, uh, out, of, out in outer space, just trying to keep track of all the different variations on what Paul called the simple gospel. And how, I'll take your Bible. I want to say this um, emphatically. If you'll go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you'll see this. <clears throat> I say, yeah, I'm in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible says this, verse 1, Would to God ye, would, ye could bear with me a little in my... Now to them, Paul was a little foolish. Paul wasn't quite up to speed with all the other fast talkers and smooth talkers in the ministry. He says, bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed, bear with me, for I am jealous over you with, not wrong kind of jealousy, but with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you, we'd say engaged you, to one husband, you're going to meet Jesus one day, and I've done it that I may present you as a chaste virgin. I'm trying to keep you clean, trying to keep you right, like a chaste, a, a, a pure virgin who's going to be married to her husband, a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, and believe me, the devil will use any means possible, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve back in Genesis, through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicities that, in, that is in Christ. So Paul writes Colossians to iron out and straighten a lot of the doctrinal problems that were going around in that day. Did you know a lot of the New Testament was written to, to straighten out people? Uh, the books of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John were written to deal with wacko ideas of Gnosticism. Uh, Jude, when, when Jude just wanted to write about you know, about getting saved and people getting saved, and let's just preach the gospel. And he says, there's some messed up people out there that I got to straighten out and I got to expose. So a lot of the New Testament is that way. But at this point, he's finishing the letter with some salutes. All right, now, coming from America, when I think of salute, I only think of this, you know, uh, like an official military salute. But a salute means a greeting. And he finishes these greetings this, he finished his letter with greetings and with encouraging words to some dear people in the gospel ministry. Now, pay close attention. Now, we're not going to be able to deal with the whole thing tonight, but pay close attention to the high and lofty titles he gives his teammates. Wink, wink, all right? Because the high and lofty titles, lofty titles that he gives them are not what you expect. So, in summary, this last few verses here in Colossians, uh, as, we, as we look at gospel teamwork, uh, he gives five things, he says five things to these 12 men that he's going to list. Number one, do the work of the ministry. That's what he tells them to do. Number two, work together in the ministry. Don't think that you can do it alone. 
Salute everyone as family. There ought to be nobody that you can't go up to and treat like a brother or sister. Now, sometimes a brother and sister, you may have to rebuke, but then you have to love them. But pass the scriptures around and learn them well. The, the, the scripture that's up at Laodicea, make sure you get a copy of that and make sure you send them a copy of this letter that I sent to you in Colossae. Keep passing on the scriptures because in Paul's day, what was happening? The New Testament was being written and Paul was making sure, don't just go by the little bit that you got. Make sure you get the whole package all the way to the book of Revelation. Aren't you glad that you have a whole Bible in your hand? Because... Listen, just, um, it was Paul's burden that these letters were written and copied and passed around, and they, they had to do it by hand, and they did it. And, and it was a, a gift to the world that um, the scriptures were being hand copied and passed around. We think that, I mean, <clears throat> we think that, that um, uh, you know, the Bible is, is, a, is just, a, just a religious book, but these are the words of eternal life, folks. And so make sure you get the scriptures around to everybody you can and then depend upon grace. These are the five things you'll find in these last verses. So let's start with here on doing the work of the ministry. <clears throat> First of all, I want you to look at the words that Paul uses to describe the gospel ministry. He uses the words minister, look in verse 7. All the state, my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister. You see that word minister? He uses the word fellow servant down there in the Lord. He talks about people who got in trouble. They were prisoners. Verse 3, back in chapter uh, 4, verse 3, he says, with all praying for us that God would open to us. Uh, no, I'm thinking of, um, that should be chapter 1 and verse 3. No. Well, it is in verse 10. I thought I had it in verse 3. It was anyway where Paul says, I'm in, I'm in uh, uh, prison. But verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. So he's in prison with Paul at that point. Saluteth you. Verse 11, he uses a word. He says, in Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers in the kingdom of God who have been a comfort unto me. So there's workers. There's servants in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant. There's labor fervently in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently. And verse 13 says, great zeal, for I bear him record that he hath great zeal. These, and, and these are words that describe men who are not lazy, men who knew the value of work. Now, what was everybody doing? There was a lot going on. Number one, they were comforting. Uh, Paul says, so-and-so was a comfort unto me. These men were carrying letters and information and updates to all the churches. Um, they were evaluating needs and trying to meet needs of one another. They were praying a lot. They were supporting one another in the work, going to each other, trying to make sure that they stayed encouraged. They were preaching and teaching to the believers in their homes. They were correcting confusion and doctrinal errors. They were copying scriptures and passing them around. There's a lot going on in the gospel ministry. Um, and, and we think, and I have found this, we think that we're in a day where it's easier to do things. I don't know. It's, it's actually harder today with all the technology 
And with all of the, 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 the stress of life, it's harder to do the work of the ministry, I think, than ever before. Now, there are great tools, there are great means of getting the gospel out, but there's just, I, it, whatever work it took for them is taking us more work, even though the whole world should know the gospel, the, the world is harder than ever, and we have to work more than we've ever imagined. It takes a lot of work to do the work of the ministry. So secondly, he says, we're just going to get started on this tonight, work together in the ministry. And go back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 1. Let me introduce you to some of these men that are listed here in the, in the epistle. Work together as a team. Now, churches depend upon great Christian teamwork to get strong. If a church is one where you have a clergy that, that just comes in and they speak and they go home, and the church just goes in and goes out, that's not a church. A church was meant to be a body where everybody in that church is functioning like a hand. If my hand did not have five fingers, if my hand didn't have any fingers, what good would it be except for hitting somebody with, you know, just swinging around? I have different members of my body that do different things, and when they all work together, it is, it is it's successful. And Paul wants all people in a church to work together to get the gospel out. There ought to always be loads of men, especially. I'm glad for everybody who volunteers. But it is very important, if you'll notice in, in Colossians, and in most of the New Testament, you see male or female doing the majority of the work. Men. Now, in the modern world, a lot of times it's mainly the women doing a lot of the work. And that's a shame, because the gospel wasn't meant to be carried as a burden on women Men are supposed to carry that burden. Men are supposed to go out and put out the extra time. Yes, we're having to plow the field, and then we go out and we sow the seed for the gospel. Men should be doing that. There ought to be loads of men in the ministry. And you know, you don't have to be the culture. Well, that's what they do in America. Don't you talk to me that way, because these aren't Americans in Colossae. These are Asian, Asians. Paul gives a list of people who, several of them were Jews. They were converted Jews. They were born-again Jews. Some of them were converted Gentiles. There were, there were brown people. There were black people. And there were white people, all working together. They were from three different continents. And all of them had been humbled and converted by the crucifixion of Jesus. Here they were working together. And, and it, it is a great thing. If you watch, can you imagine a soccer match where there was just one guy and he's running around trying to catch that ball and drive that ball into that goal. It'd be boring, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Okay, he'd have a heart attack. <laughs> so you put a team of men out there against the other team, and you've got a chance. And as, as a church, we've got to see that these names are not just Paul. They're Paul and Timothy and Epaphras and Tychicus. These are men in, 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 that, that work together to reach the goal. So we find uh, Paul and Timothy here. Look in chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and who's the next guy? Timotheus, our brother. Now, Timotheus was a Greek name for Timothy. But Paul always worked with other people. You will find out of all of his times, there's almost 
No time, there's only one other time where Paul is alone. But I don't think he was really alone. It says one time when he was in Athens, he says he was alone. But I think Luke was with him. He's just saying that all the normal guys that were normally with him, Timothy was back over in Ephesus, Apollos was somewhere else, da da da, da. Paul was going through the city, and Luke is sort of like a, a recorder, just recording everything that's going on. Generally, Paul was always with other people. Go to Acts chapter 13, and it started that way in his life, and he never changed. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I'm going to start on my left side here tonight. I'll start with um, Darren. If you'll read chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Two key words. In verse 1, it's, it, it, um, I'm sorry, verse 2, it says, as they, so they were working together, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereinto I have called them, not just called him. So here you find Paul all of a sudden paired off with a guy named Barnabas, which was very good. Barnabas helped iron out a lot of things that were wrong in Paul's life. Paul was a murderer. <laughs> Paul was one of the most abrasive people you could ever work with. And God took Paul and put him with Barnabas. Barnabas was the most gentle. He was the most kind. He was the most forgiving. He was the most helpful guy. And God put them two together and it balanced them. Later on, Paul works with a guy named Silas. You remember Paul and Silas in prison? They're singing there, and the, the, the earthquake, and the doors open. After that, Paul worked with Timothy. Now, <clears throat> and he's gonna, you're going to find out he worked with all these people that we start to look at tonight. But in, in, when we read all of those names in Colossians chapter 4, that's not half of the names of people that, that Paul worked with. There are at least another dozen if not more, of men. Paul was like a beehive of people who were coming and going, doing things, working with them as he would preach and then somebody else would preach and then he would send somebody to go and do this and then somebody would come and say, Paul, we need you over here. It was a constant hive of activity. Now, Paul and Timothy were two tightly knit soul winners and church planters. Look at Romans chapter 16. <clears throat> Romans chapter 16 and verse 21. And Miss Sherry, do you want to try? Or you, okay, Romans 16, 21. I'm getting your voice now. <laughs> yes. So see patter? Okay, so Timothy, he calls Timothy my work fellow. My fellow Worker, somebody that I get along with, somebody that works with me. Now, Lucius was another name for Luke. So you got all these guys who just keep coming and going, and they keep getting acknowledged here. Did you know Timothy is with Paul 
when he writes to the church at Corinth, go to the next page. The very, oh, no, I said for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you Heidi? Or are you you're Ruth? Okay, Ruth, would you read? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Okay, so Paul's got who with him writing to the Christians at Corinth? Timothy's there. Let's look at him later on. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Juliet, if you wouldn't mind. Philippians 1 and verse 1. All right, so he writes, Timothy is, is with Paul. As he's writing to the Christians at Philippi, look at 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 1, Miss Heidi. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1, your New Testament. <clears throat> Thessalonians. Wow, okay, now Silvanus was another name for a guy named Silas, okay? So Paul's got Silas here with him too. I want you to see that Timothy hangs around with Paul. And as you saw when we looked at Colossians, he's with Paul as Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. <clears throat> so evidently, Timothy liked to hang around Paul. Timothy later becomes pastor of the church at Ephesus for a little while. Um, and, you know, Paul's a little worried about that because Timothy's up there. And so Paul writes two letters to Timothy telling him, this is how you be a good pastor. Because Paul was concerned that, wow, I don't know if I taught him all the things that he needs. I, Paul, Timothy's with me as I'm preaching and as I'm soul winning, as I'm teaching. But now Timothy's up there. Timothy, I better help you. And so Paul was always, always using uh, uh, team members and helping and equipping team members to start and to build churches. Uh, go to 2 Timothy, just for fun. Just go a few more pages here. I'm going to get Bill to read a little bit here. You're in 2 Timothy, if you will, chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. <clears throat> Uh, next verse, verse 5. All right, now, I don't know. You, you might ought to underline these words. Look at all the things that Paul was telling Timothy to do as a pastor. One, preach the word. That's the priority work. You say, go, go and visit the sick. That's an important thing, but it is super important that we preach the truth, that we preach God's view on everything. Preach the Bible. Teach the Bible. Watch. Be very aware of what's going on. Don't be stupid and just expect everything's going to be fine. No, watching, he uses that word. Watch thou in all things. 
endure afflictions, endure health problems, endure persecutions, evangelize, which means go soul winning. Don't be just a pastor studying all the time. Go out door knocking, evangelize. Help start, plant, uh, help start churches. And always proving yourself in your calling that God has given you. Now, but most of the time, Timothy is either with Paul or doing something for Paul. And Paul, and he's a testimony that Paul and every pastor needs Timothy's. Because no pastor can do the work of the ministry alone. It is very important that men in this church do not rely on the few or the one. But that all men say, you know what, I, I wonder if, if, if I could be used. Because you are needed. You're not, this is not a clergy versus laity, you know, you're, you're not important and we're hyper-trained. No, this is a body, a, a Christian group of people are called the body of Christ and they're to work together. And you need Timothys who just hang with the pastor. I told you and I'll tell you till the cows come home. And that is, I loved my pastor when I first got saved. And I, I, I told you, I wanted to live with my pastor. And his wife said, no. And um, uh, I, every, I was there listening to him as he, um, uh, uh, he would, he would um, uh, have an elders meeting uh, after church. And I just stayed after church to watch how he dealt with men. Because I didn't grow up with a dad. And this was a man who taught me how, how men talk and what men do and how men make decisions, and it influenced me. And, and we need young men who say, I'm going to hang around with Pastor Craig. I'm going to watch how he handles things because that will help you be a man, especially a man of God. Secondly, we move on to the second guy. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. I'm going to get... Miss Jane, would you read verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1? That's okay. Isaac, you going to try? Chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Epaphras. All right, here's this guy, Epaphras. Now go to chapter 4, Isaac. You're not finished yet. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. <clears throat> You're reading verse 12 and 13 now, please. Saluteth you. Laodicea, Hierapolis. Okay, do you see what this guy, look at his life. He was a Colossian himself, which means he was a national. Right now, I've been naturalized. I am. I have Irish citizenship, but I'm not a national. 
And Paul is talking about, you've got a man here, because Epaphras had come to visit Paul, and he says, thank God that Epaphras is one of you. He is, and, and we need Epaphras in this church who have the burden to not let some Texan be the one who, who, who leads this church forever and ever. We need some Irishmen who lead this church. That is, that is the highest goal of any church planner, and that is to raise up nationals, raise up people who are from that area, who know those people and love those people and pray for those people and serve those people and lead those people with the gospel. So if you're going to have a team, you need to have some Paul and Silas's. You need to include some Epaphras's as well. He was a Colossian himself. He was a dear. I like how he calls that. He says, a dear fellow servant back there in chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul loved this guy. Uh, he, you know, and it's, it's not easy to find somebody who works well with you because we all have our little idiosyncrasies, you know. We all do things that agitate each other, but it's wonderful and it's a gift when somebody's a dear fellow servant, someone who I love to work with. He was a faithful minister in Christ. He was the pastor of the church at Colossae. He, was, he said back there in chapter 1, he says, he, they, he is a minister for you guys up in Colossae. He was a servant of Christ of all, most of all. You know, uh, uh, no matter what I do, no matter what Dan, Brother Dan does, no matter what uh, uh, Brother Andrew does, no matter what anybody looks like they're doing, I do not serve you. I serve Christ. And that makes it easy because people will disappoint you. People will hurt you, but the Lord won't. And so everything you do is as if you're doing it unto him, amen? So Paul says he's a servant of Christ. It's evident he's not trying to be political. He's not trying to, you know, get people's praise, uh, praise and, and uh, appreciation. Paul said Epaphras serves Christ. That's a good testimony. He was all very, I like this. Do you know prayer is work? Yesterday we had a great breakfast. Where is, where is Eric? Yeah. We are indebted to you. He worked his tail off preparing that, you called it a mini fry, but we were filled. It was wonderful. But that worked, and then we played games, and you should have seen, should have seen all us old guys. We were using these straws, and we were trying to blow this ball back and forth through these goals there. And after about five minutes of it, half of us are about ready to pass out. It was a lot of work to get that foam ball down the other end through the goal. But that wasn't enough. The hardest work was when we got on our knees and we said, we got to stay here. We got to pray. And Paul says, verse 12 there in Colossians 4, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently, passionately for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect. He was praying that they would be whole in their hearts and in their spirits and complete in all the will of God. We need some Epaphrasists who pray for church services on Sunday, who pray for the pastor, who pray for the pastor's wife, who pray for each other, who pray for the gospel tracts that go out. We, um, we can spend all day creating some cool gospel tracts and putting everything into it and developing the way to be able to give the gospel freely and simply to somebody, but it's no good if it doesn't get bathed in prayer. It's just a piece of paper with words on it. 
if God doesn't bless it, amen? We need some Epaphrasists in this team who say, we better pray for that pastor. We better pray that when we hand out the gospel and we, we, we tell people about Jesus Christ, that they'll read it and that they'll hear the words of Scripture. He was also, he had a great zeal for the Colossian people and for the believers that were in Laodicea and for the Christians over in Hierapolis. Hierapolis. You know, it's, it's, the, the, um, it's a great thing when you just have a love for God's work, not just your work, not just this church, but you say, there are persecuted Christians right now who are struggling uh, under great persecution in Indonesia and in, um, in uh, uh, parts of India and in parts of, of uh, most of the world that, is, that we call third world. There is no freedom to do what we're doing here. We need to pray for them. We need to love them. We need to have the opportunity to help them. I want to help. I want to have, we've got eight missionaries. I'd love to have 18. I'd love to have 80. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, we couldn't do it financially. Or could we? I can't tell you, when we have a burden for the church over here and the church over there, we took on uh, Brother um, Eric Knows. Uh, he still gets the prayer letter, but we took on a prayer point several years ago in the office. We prayed for a missionary in Mongolia. And this was a guy, you can't get into Mongolia with the gospel. So he's a dentist. So he went into Mongolia, started up a dentist office, and tried to help people you know, with teeth problems and give them the gospel. Can you imagine having a captive audience? You've strapped them into the seat, not really. But anyway, you've got them in there. His mouth is wired open, you know, and he's got the light there, and he says, so where are you going when you die? <laughs> you can't run, amen. <laughs> so, but he had, listen, it is important for us to have more of a desire for the work of God than just here. That's a good and a rare helper in the ministry. Every church needs a pastor like Epaphras. It needs people like Epaphras. This, this guy was visiting Paul, and, while, well, and this is kind of cute because Epaphras went up to go visit Paul in prison, and guess what? He ends up himself in prison. This is kind of funny. Go to Philemon. You're in Colossians. Go to, go to the right. Find a little book called Philemon just before Hebrews. <clears throat> Philemon. Epaphras gets in trouble with the law, not because he's stealing from pennies or from Debenhams or he's running a red light. It's because he's just trying to preach the gospel. And it says this, Paul, I love how Paul says it very simply, Philemon, it's only one chapter, so look down at verse 23. There salute thee, there greet thee. Where's, what's his name? There's Epaphras. Now he's a fellow, not a fellow servant, but a fellow, he's in prison with me. <laughs> Beware, if you ever get the bug, if you ever get the desire to help get the gospel out, you might get trouble for it. It just happens. Thank God for Epaphrasus who will say, let's get it on, let's do it. I hope, I hope to have a testimony like Epaphras by the time I die. I'd hope that people would know me as that by the time I finish up on this earth, amen? Third person we're going to look at, and it's the last one we're going to look at real quick tonight, is this guy named Tychicus. Now, his mother had, must have had the hiccups when she named him. Tychicus. That was a joke. Anyway, 
Colossians chapter 4, all right, uh, Dr. Christopher, Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Go back to Colossians. Now, this guy was a jack of all trades in the ministry, and you got to have them. I kind of think of Eric like this guy, okay? If, if there was a New Testament Eric, this would be the guy, okay? Tychicus, he just, he's not, he's not a one-deal guy. He does lots of things in the ministry. He's called a faithful, a, a beloved brother. He's, when he says that, it means he's just somebody who's there. How many have somebody you know just there? And I'm talking about your wife or your husband. They should be. But it's just nice to have somebody you can call a beloved brother. Because a brother, that's somebody who sticks closer to you than anybody else. I know, what is it girls call them? BFFs? Best friend forever? Yeah, okay. All right, well, well guys, let's not call them BFFs. Let's call them beloved brothers. Somebody who we, every time you just look around, they're always there. That's what, who Tychicus was. He was just there. He was just ready for whatever Paul needed. He was a faithful minister. When he says that, he's not just talking about, this is a guy who ministers the gospel, who, who preaches, who teaches. There are some people who just can't wait to preach, but you would never find them cleaning up after everybody else end of church and picking up things and hymnals and stuff. You know, there's some people who like the, the visible jobs, but they don't want the back work. Listen, let me tell you, Tychicus was there to minister to Paul. He said, Paul, can, can, I, can, I, go, can, I, can I go get the mule? <laughs> and and do, 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 you, uh, uh, do you have something to eat tonight? Paul, do you, um, uh, do you, want, me, do, do you, want, do you want me to uh, unlace your shoes? I don't care what it was that Paul needed. Tychicus was a Faithful ministry it means he was always there for Paul's needs. He was also known as a fellow servant. All of these guys are, are, are labeled as fellow servants. But that, that just means that he worked alongside Paul, which is a gift. Because we have people who go and do their own things, and it's hard to build a church when everybody's got their own agendas. But this guy worked alongside Paul, probably preaching, probably teaching, whatever Paul needed done, but he was a fellow servant. But it gets even more interesting. He was a messenger. He was a postman. I'll show you what I mean. Go back to uh, so Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brother Dan. Ephesians 6 in <clears throat> verse 21. i got to get there myself here. So what was Tychicus, at that moment, what was Tychicus responsible for doing? Yes, he said, Tychicus, I need you to go and tell the Ephesians how I'm doing. Now, you know, Paul, when, when Paul wrote some of his letters, Ephesus was about uh, 700 miles away. So Eric, I'm going to give you some bigger jobs than you've ever imagined and make you walk. <laughs> He just said, I need, now probably Tychicus carried this epistle with him. So it was a big deal. It wasn't just, uh, I want to let you know Paul's okay. No, no, it was a little bit more than that. But he gave Tychicus a very high and lofty job of carrying a message. That was important to do. 
He was a postman. Into to the Colossians, go to the right, find Colossians. This is Paul. <clears throat> Chapter 4, verse 7, all my state, which means all my condition, all how I am, shall Tychicus declare unto you. He'll tell you how I am because he knows me. He's a faithful brother and a faithful minister, a fellow servant of the Lord, whom I personally have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know about me, and that he might know how you are and comfort your hearts and try to come back and tell me how you're doing. Now, <clears throat> he's not only that, he even recorded Paul's words on the paper while Paul spoke through a prison door. Paul, being a prisoner, wasn't given the luxury sometimes of pen and paper. So here's Tychicus outside, and there's another guy with him when he finishes his letter. His name is Onesimus. They're outside at this point, outside of the prison door, and Paul's going through, can you imagine, talking through a door. And Paul's dictating this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and Tychicus is trying to keep up with Paul. I bet you Paul talked as fast as a, as a, as a train. So look down in verse chapter 4 in verse 18. Now he says, the salutation by the hand of me, Paul. So he actually signs the bottom part of the letter. Remember my bonds. Grace will be with you all. Amen. Now how many of you, that ends the letter. Raise your hand if that's the end of the letter in Colossae, in your Bible. Does it end there? Some people do. But there is a subscript. And the reason why it's not clued in the Bible is because some of the Greek texts didn't have it, so they sort of put it in sometimes. Sometimes they don't. But the postscript is just as valid. It says, written from where? Written from Rome to Colossians, to the Colossians, by Tychicus and Onesimus. So Tychicus is actually the guy whose handwriting, his hand got tired, so Onesimus, he took over, and they both handwrote this letter. Go one more thought here. Tychicus just loved working with Paul and all the other preachers when he had the chance. Look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 14, Miss Kathy. Acts 20 and verse 14, uh, verse 4. <clears throat> no? Are you in 20, verse 4? I did say 14. That was my fault. 4. Paul. Sopater. Of Berea. Sorry. Aristarchus. Secundus. Sounds like a Filipino name, doesn't it? Secundus. And Gavin. Sorry, no, Gaius. <laughs> of Asia. Tychicus, think of a hiccup. <laughs> okay, so his name is kind of humorous, but his name stuck in with a bunch of other names. You find Tychicus not at the top of the list all the time. He's just with the other guys. Tychicus is just one of these jack-of-all-trades who just is part of this team that Paul had getting the gospel out. Did you know the gospel ministry needs men who just love to be in church? who just love helping. And if it means, pastor, if you need me to preach, amen. If you need me to stay after and load up the bus, amen. If you need me for anything, you've got to go on a visit, and I do. I love having people go with me on visitation. If you need me to help, amen. That's a Tychicus. 
great to have somebody to go soul winning with. I have found that you learn more of the Bible when you go out and you put it to the test and you give them just small bits and you just show them from the Bible what Jesus said, you learn the most. And if you guys, well, I, I can't do it. That's why God said, go with someone. Go with a Tychicus. All right. Next week, we're going to learn some more. There are more names there about this great team that Paul had around him in the gospel ministry. But let me give you some questions real quick here. Number one, name something that describes the gospel ministry. I gave you a couple of them there. What were those guys doing in the ministry there? And we looked at it. Okay, they're evangelizing. Good. Preaching. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. Serving. They were being servants. Somebody else, Andrew? Laboring. Helping out. Comforting. Do you know sometimes the ministry is just sitting down with somebody, listen to them, and just put your arm around them and loving them? That's the ministry. Comforting. You know what sometimes the ministry is? Carrying letters from place to place. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have email. They didn't have the post office. So they just gave it to somebody that says, you carry that 700 miles away. Second question. Who was probably Paul's favorite teammate? Timothy. What was the name of the pastor of the church of Colossae? Anybody paying attention? Epaphras. <laughs> Epaphras. Hmm. Uh, number four. Who was like a jack of all trades? And don't say Eric. Say the guy's name in the Bible. <laughs> the hiccup guy. Tychicus. Tychicus. Oh, now we got the, the, the Queen's English. Okay, anyway. Tychicus. But I like my hiccup way better. Tychicus. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Could the gospel ministry here use more men like these? Amen. What is the gospel ministry? Let's go and let's just look at it real quick and we'll finish. What is it that got these men so excited? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we'll be finished. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> Why would Paul and Tychicus and Epaphras and um, uh, Timothy, Sopater... All of these guys, what would motivate them to get along so well and to work together? Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the what? The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. Do you stand on the gospel or do you stand on your own good works? Verse 2. By which also ye are, here's your Bible word, you're saved. Saved from the wrath to come. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, if you haven't just taken it and forgotten it and moved on, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered, what was the gospel? I've delivered unto you first of all that which also I received. Paul says, you got saved the same way I did. How that Christ died for our sins. Isn't that a good thing? He died for our sins. Not just for your sins, but... For mine too. He died for our sins according to the scriptures, just like it says. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, uh, 
I wanted to show you one other verse. I didn't have it written down. I guess you're just going to... Um, the whole thing of, of chapter 15 is that gospel saves, doesn't it? And I'm looking for the verse that says, if Christ died for all, then all are dead. Does, do, I, do I see that anywhere? It's a first... Oh, is that 2 Corinthians? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. Boy, the guy's got a good memory. Chapter 5. Yes, verse 14. <clears throat> Christ died for our sins. I want you to understand chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ, we're talking about the love for sinners. The love of Christ for sinners constraineth us. It focuses us that we've got to serve God by getting the gospel out. It constraineth us because we thus judge, we can decide that if one man, Jesus, died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that's the fact, then they that which live, like you and me, should not henceforth live unto themselves anymore, but we now live unto him which died for them and rose again. Here's the point. What's the gospel? The gospel is that Christ died, was buried, and rose again for you. And how do you get saved? You just believe it. You believe with all your heart. You can cry out to God and say, God, I don't understand all this thing, but I believe. And God says, good. You're justified. You're forgiven now. You're you're, you're made right because of your trusting Jesus Christ. But the moment you get saved and you believe the gospel, all of a sudden you get motivated, i got to tell someone else. That's the gospel ministry. i just got to keep the news going. Old news is no news, amen? News is always fresh. It's got to keep going. It's got to be fresh and new to somebody, somebody who hasn't heard. Get into the gospel ministry and never look back. Father, bless the thoughts tonight about a, a, a team of people working together as a church, and we're especially working together for the gospel. I'm glad for all the people that serve and help in this church. We just need more, and we need more who rise to the challenge of being more. I'm glad for people who come and they, they greet at the door, some people who fix tea in the morning and scones, and some who play music, but there's that's not the gospel ministry. That's all part of making the church a special place, but the gospel ministry, wow, that's sacrifice. That's hard. That's, that's something that, that costs us everything to do. And we need people who are willing to do anything so that the lost can hear the gospel, can hear that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Such a simple thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's not a Baptist. It's a Bible thing. People need to believe before it's too late. So give us a burden that we would not only believe it, but live it. In Jesus' name, amen.